Today's episode of InVibe Life Conversations podcast is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything that you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I had that foundation in Western medicine where I practiced in hospitals and um, in clinical settings. And I think it was so great to start there because it, it covered so much ground, but it also left a little to be desired. You know, when we were working with patients and we just didn't have an answer and we called it idiopathic or when um, we were not really addressing root cause, but managing medications and medical disease, um, I found myself turning to Ayurveda, which was something that I was introduced to through my family. And I, I felt a little hypocritical because I was practicing a certain level of medicine for myself. I was drinking warm water and I was taking herbal powders in my 20s. And yet there was such a gap between what I was prescribing, um, lists of medications, and then what I was doing for myself. Welcome to InVibe Live Conversations with Amy Parker and Cheryl Dunn. By tuning in, you are joining a community that will inspire you to increase balance, wellness, and joy in your life. We'll offer expert information and insightful conversations to help us on our journey to live more in vibe. For more information and articles, remember to also check out our website at InVibeLive.com. That's E-N-V-I-B-E. L-I-F-E dot com. We're grateful that you're here. Hello, and welcome to the InVibe Live Conversations podcast. We are joined today by Dr. Nisha Khanna. And where do I begin? Dr. Khanna is a medical doctor, a doctor of functional medicine, and a practitioner of Ayurvedic principles. And Dr. Khanna, you combine all of these together into one robust practice. So we'd love to hear about your background, your journey, and how you got to where you are today. And if we missed anything, fill our right. audience in. <laughs> there is more than that, I think. Well, it's just so funny. I think in the pursuit of health and well-being, it's been such a quest to to kind of just unlock that. I've really racked up the certifications in different modalities. So you could add sound medicine and energy healing and timeline therapy and NLP and acupressure and yoga therapy, and it just kind of goes on. And I think it will continue to expand until you know I I, I just get curious and want to tap into and learn as much as I can about something that I find to be healing um, for both myself and patients. So, um, so yeah, my journey. Okay. So I started in internal medicine and I think it was amazing to start there because, you know, when you're in college and you're trying to decide what should you do with your life, um, it really resonated to it sounds kind of trite to see what I could do to help people. And, um, and I was also just so curious to learn about my own body. How does it work? 
And so um, I had that foundation in Western medicine where I practiced in hospitals and um, in clinical settings. And I think it was so great to start there because it, it covered so much ground, but it also left a little to be desired. You know, when we were working with patients and we just didn't have an answer and we called it idiopathic or when um, we were not really addressing root cause, but managing medications and medical disease, um, I found myself turning to Ayurveda, which was something that I was introduced to through my family. And I, I felt a little hypocritical because I was practicing a certain level of medicine for myself. I was drinking warm water and I was taking herbal powders in my 20s. And yet there was such a gap between what I was prescribing, um, lists of medications, and then what I was doing for myself in terms of disease prevention. So I think my the second phase of my career was really to bridge that gap and to see how can I bring what I do for myself to my patients and that's what led me on this journey. I love that. Yeah. I, I just think that um, there's power behind that. You know, when you can really, what you find is working for yourself, that's what you want to share. That comes from a deeper place than, it's even deeper than I want to help people. It's it's the soul connection, I feel right. like, that's coming out with that. And I don't know, maybe some people think that's weird, but I think we're all speaking the same language. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So tell us a little bit, you don't just, um, I know you offer functional medicine and explain that to our listeners. What is different with functional medicine versus just going to see maybe their, um, well, you know, internist, you're yeah. practicing internal medicine. How, how is that different? So it's so different in terms of, I think the level of connection and time that you spend with a patient. So my First patient visits are two hours long, and that's kind of unheard of in the internal wow. medicine practice. And it, it's unfortunate because I feel like doctors would want to spend more time with patients, but they're limited by reinsurance, um, insurance reimbursement and having to see a certain quota of patients to, each day just to keep their doors open. And so um, it really is a choice to step. It's a courageous choice to step out of the current model and see what you can do that's actually going to work for patients and for yourself so that you feel nourished in your giving. And so, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's different in that regard. And I think so much healing happens just in listening to a patient and getting their complete history and unraveling how things began, what were the triggers, the mediators, um, the antecedents that led to the current condition, because disease doesn't just show up. It, it, it starts sometimes decades before. And so, um, so really just sitting with somebody is something that is so um, amazing about functional medicine because you, you connect. And I think the healing begins in that connection and in the listening. And, and then, of course, we're really drawing from um, so much information that is now it's, it's researched publicly available information that just hasn't made it into mainstream medicine. And so using what we now have in modern research to, to really get to a root cause with patients. And um, that's what I love about 
bridging these gaps between East and West is that what we're learning about now in functional medicine through science, through research is mirrored in the ancient practices of Ayurveda. And I think also in other Eastern practices, so traditional Chinese medicine, there's so much focus on diet and the gut. And we see that mirrored now in our modern medicine where the focus is the root, the root is the gut. And so from there, everything else unravels and develops. And so, um, you know, I like to think about it as the, um, it's the center of your body and everything kind of emanates from the center. And um, it's a beautiful principle in Ayurveda as well is that um, disease begins in the gut and then it moves into the lymph, the blood, and then into the deeper tissues from there. And so when you can get to that root cause, the true root cause, you're able to actually unravel the disease and many times mitigate future disease. I think that's so powerful because if you do look at our traditional Western medicine, I feel like they don't, they're not like you go, if you're in the hospital for something and then you look at the diet that they're giving that patient in the hospital, it just doesn't fit what I think would work properly to help heal someone. You know, yeah. they're just putting band-aids on it with prescription medication, which is tearing up the gut. Yeah. You know? It's there's so much power in in food and and honestly beyond food, digestion. Because it's not there's a sa- famous saying, it's not what you eat, but it's how you digest. So if you got iron stomach, strong digestion, you can pretty much eat anything. It may catch up with you over time, but um so much of Um, Ayurveda and functional medicine is focusing on how you digest and optimizing that, including food. Can we back up a minute though? Because I'm someone who doesn't know a lot about Ayurveda. Can you just give the basics? I know that I tried at some point a couple years ago to learn more about it. And I bought like a thick book by Deepak Chopra. And I was so much more confused and intimidated. The more I got into it, I finally just walked away from it. Oh, okay. Well, let me let me see if I can really simplify it. Okay. So Ayurveda is basically a modality that allows you to understand your body, the functioning of your system, as it relates to the five elements, which basically compose all of manifest life. So those are ether, air, fire, water, earth. And so when you think about your bones, those are more dense, right? So that's got more earth element. When you think about your blood and your lymph, it's more water element. When you think about your air, the, the lung, the, your lungs and the air that you breathe and your nervous system, it's movement. So that's the air element. So you can begin to see how you are very much connected with the outside world. You're connected with the weather. You're connected with food because it's also made up of these elements. Um, So something like nuts and seeds are denser. They've got so much potential in them. They can become a whole plant. So those are more earth elements. Um, When you think about popcorn, it's light and airy. So that's more air elements. So the idea, just one thing that you need to remember about Ayurveda to understand it really well, is that like increases like and opposites balance. So basically, if you're feeling sluggish, heavy, tired, foggy in the morning, you don't want to be eating dense, heavy food, you want to balance that by having something like Uh, light, crunchy, airy, you know, the opposite elements, the opposite qualities. And um, 
same thing with the weather, right? So if it's really hot outside, you balance it with cooling foods. And say you have, you're breaking out in rashes and you're all red and inflamed, then you balance that with cooling. And so there's that one principle, like increases like, opposites balance. And, um, and then basically looking at the qualities of substances and there's 10 pairs of opposites. So things like heavy and light, sharp and dull. Um, and, uh, you know, it goes on. Uh, then when you look at these qualities, you're able to just basically say, okay, well, how do I balance that out with its opposite? And you do that. And so this is also, this can go to emotions, right? So it's not just food, the elements, the weather. It's, um, it's what is the emotion of of anger, what is the emotion, what is the quality of anxiety? So the inquality, the quality of anxiety is mobile and it's scattered, right? It's more air element. The quality of anger, right? It's hot, it's fiery, it's sharp, um, and sometimes bitter. And um, the quality of depression is heavy, it's dull, it's dense. So same thing, if you're feeling those symptoms, those mood symptoms, you balance it with the foods, the um, the lifestyle practices that are going to have the opposite element. So uh, a lifestyle example is say, you're running around, you're anxious, you're stressed, you want to actually do, say a yoga practice that is not um, super vigorous vinyasa, it's more kind of really spending a long time in each pose. Um, and, uh, and you want to slow down your day, you want to kind of sleep a little longer, if you can, um, to get more of that density from the sleep. So I hope this is making sense. Does that help? Yes, it makes a lot of sense. And I just, you know, one thing that jumped out at me, um, you know, we hear about comfort foods, where someone is feeling down or having one of those heavy days, they go load up on heavier foods. And it's the opposite of what they should really be doing, or we should really be doing. Yeah, that's such a great example. That's one that I haven't actually thought of. And that's amazing. I love that one. And you're right, you know, someone who's feeling down um, should probably spice up their meals, you know, and have a little bit of cayenne in their soup and really have like a brothy type of soup that's not creamy and heavy, right? Um, So the, you know, the reason that, um, you, there's another principle in Ayurveda that when you're out of balance, so say when you are depressed, you actually crave the thing that's going to propagate the imbalance. So you can't trust your cravings when you're out of balance, but when you're in balance, you can trust your cravings. And so somebody who is feeling kind of dull and depressed, they're going to, they can't trust that craving to have the comfort food because that will make things worse. That is so that is powerful. Yes. (laughs) And that is a great description because I I do know a little bit about Ayurveda Uh because I, you know, read some books and done some stuff to figure out what my sign kind of was, you know, um, the Pitta and all that stuff. Um, But that description made everything I knew a lot clearer, you know, and Mm -hmm. just also simplified it to where it's information that's accessible for people to have the power to use that information. Oh, I'm so happy. Okay, great. Yeah, I have a, a Ayurveda foundations course, you know, where I just simplify it all based on some of these principles. And, um, and so I think that that could be really helpful if, um, if, you know, people want to dive deeper.
And people can find that course on your website, right? Mm -hmm. Do they have to be a patient to buy the course? No, those courses are made just for educational purposes. So you don't have to be a patient of the practice. And since we're talking about this now, we would have covered it later. Like we will link your website in the show notes to this podcast. Do you see clients virtually? I I do during COVID because a lot of the um, regulations have been relaxed around seeing people in person. If that changes in the future, then I will need to see someone in person at least once a year. Um, and the first visit in person, I usually prefer to see people in person because we were talking about that, um, that level of connection just from being in the same energy field is, right. is powerful. Um, so that is my preference. And I think patients prefer it too, but um, yeah, during these weird times, I am able to see people virtually for their first visit. Okay. Great. That's mm-hmm. great. Um, so I want to ask you, cause I was looking at all your services. What is NLP? Yeah. So it's neuro-linguistic programming. Uh, it's kind of a fancy word, um, but it just means that basically you're, you're reprobe, reprogramming your brain through, through language um, and it's, it's just a pretty amazing, um, modality to be able to use, um, to really work on deep, um, deep subconscious healing. And so one of my favorite, uh, practices from NLP to share is sort of a offshoot branch called timeline therapy, and it helps you release all negative emotions from your past. And so, um, and it does that by, getting to the root very first event where you ever felt that and connecting your conscious and subconscious mind so that you get the learning. The idea is that the emotion serves as a placeholder for the learning, but when your subconscious bubbles up with why you needed to go through that, or what was it that you needed to learn from the experience, then it's able to let go of the emotion and replace it with the with the, with the learning. And from there, you're able to basically disassemble the chain of all emotion that you felt, uh, whether it was anger, sadness, fear, guilt, um, through, through your timeline. And if you believe in, you know, past timelines, you know, beyond this lifetime, then it dissembles it from there too. Um, and so it's, it's one of these practices that I wouldn't say is the forefront of my, um, of my offerings, but it's, something where if people really want to dive deeper and um, I I usually work with people in a, I I like to describe it in terms of their, with their auric field. So we work first on the physical layer of the body the you know, and that might look like something with cleanses and herbs and supplements to really get that physical um, healing optimized so that people can then begin to process on these other levels. Um, So then working outward from that, with the mental emotional body and then further out into the spiritual body. And so, um, so I find that I usually use that timeline therapy practice kind of later in the sequence, because you really need to optimize the physical functioning before you're able to um, process as deeply as you might like um, in those other layers of the field. So if someone were to come and see you, I mean, you have a lot of tools in your toolbox how does it begin? I think they start with a consultation with you. That's, I think you just mentioned a couple hours in length. Yeah, exactly. So we begin with a two hour 
consultation. I'm using functional medicine, Ayurveda, even Western medicine to basically integrate and analyze what, what is the root of what's going on. And, um, and, and then basically create, we spend most of our time educating and treating, uh, creating a treatment plan. And then from there, um, you know, a lot of patients get a lot of benefit with just those first set of recommendations. I would say a large percentage, a large percentage of patients see me about twice because they get so much from that first visit um, on follow-up. They're like, well, you fixed everything that I was concerned about. So we're good. And I'm like, okay, we're good. And if you'd like to go deeper, we have these other things that we could do. And so I would say, you know, maybe 30% of people choose to go deeper. And then we do, um, we do some, bring in some of these other modalities like Ayurvedic body work, um, which is like Vedic acupressure. It's called Marma, which is one of my favorite things to share and for people to experience. Um, and so I, I just love sharing that. And I think um, there aren't very many people that offer it in, in Austin, none that I know of in Austin, but um, it's just, it, it's powerful because it combines both acupressure, energy work, and then I add sound in at the end too. So, um, so it, it, it's pretty wonderful. And so, um, so acupressure, and then um, there's some other treatments like um, in Ayurveda, we call them busties, but they're medicated oil that's sort of held at certain energy centers and um, can be profoundly both detoxifying and healing to that center. So um, I have one practice that I call an emotional heart treatment. And, um, and so um, I've, I've just seen some really amazing results with that for people releasing past trauma. And, um, and then uh, we talked about the NLP and so we kind of build it out from there, you know, working first on the physical layer and then moving out as, as people, you know, want to. Oh, one of the other things I've been offering that I really love right now is, um, is breath work. So um, I have a background in yogic breath work, but then also um, it, I wouldn't call it holotropic because that's kind of more of a patented um, type of breath work, but it's essentially continuous breath work to um, very like motivational and um, kind of takes you on a journey type of music. And so I've had pretty amazing, amazing experiences with that too, in terms of um, really people being able to transcend their physical body. Oh, wow. I don't this know is, where to begin. I know. I know. <laughs> it's so amazing. I mean, what would you say your ideal patient is like, if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, should I see you, you know, what, where, you know, where does someone start that they're like, this is what I need to do. Yeah. So I would say I, I usually work with people who are motivated and also don't quite feel like they're, they're themselves anymore. You know, they, um, so they're, you know, I am happy to work with anybody that is interested. However, I would say most of um, most of my patient population is um, is women in their 30s and 40s, 50s, um, and you know beyond as well. But those, those are the kind of the major areas, and they're they used to feel good. They used they can remember a time where they used to feel vibrant and sleep well and, um, 
it felt good in their bodies and, and they just don't anymore. And they can't seem to, they know that they're slipping and they just don't know how to get back on track. And I feel like that's someone that I really resonate with. And, um, and it's such a pleasure to kind of just help people kind of get back to feeling themselves again. And we use all kinds of things. So, you know, I, I still draw from all my traditional Western um, experience and I and functional medicine to get order lab work if we need to um, optimize thyroid function, adrenal function, sex hormones. So I've got a lot of background in working in um, in optimizing hormonal health. Um, but but I, I am conservative in that you know I do want to work with people who um, don't just want the band aid. You know because even within functional medicine and hormonal medicine there is a very band aid approach at times. Um, but my, my, I really light up in like, let's get to, um, to a point where, you know, you minimize how much you need in terms of hormonal therapy, because we're working on all the foundational pieces, whether that be the gut or the adrenals or, you know, lifestyle and diet, all of that. So, um, let's see how much we, we can accomplish by really building out the framework of health before we add in more supplements and more, um, more prescriptions. I love that because I feel like so many times these days that, you know, if somebody has decided to go outside of the traditional route, they're like, Oh, all they did was sell me a whole bunch of supplements. And I had to do these supplements where I feel like you're giving people the power to let's start simple first, and then try and answer these questions first and then go the routes. If we need to do testing, if we need to do this, we can do that and we can get more answers, but we can start really simple. Yeah. And it's, it's really a patient centered approach. So, you know, um, I think I am very, um, I guess, I don't know what the exact right word is, but, um, able to connect with somebody, build rapport and sort of intuit like where they're feeling they want to go and, and communicate about that. You know, I'm able to sort of read people's expressions and, and if something doesn't feel right, I'll ask and say, well, well, what, what would you think about this? And do you, does that feel good to you? And so um, really building out a plan that feels good to the patient because I'm able to sort of sense where they're maybe if I say something that like, okay, let's do this. And then they're not quite sure. They might not be um, sure how they're going to be able to implement that recommendation. Then we can always modify. And so if somebody is very interested in seeing data and getting a lot of lab work, then we can do that. But if somebody, you know, wants to just kind of let me lead and, um, and, you know, tell them what I feel is appropriate in terms of a treatment plan based on my experience, then, um, then I can do that. But I, I want to do what is going to feel good for the patient and, um, and, and also guide them, be their guide, but not be a director in any way. Like you need to take these 10 supplements and you need to follow a, this particular diet. Otherwise you're not going to be okay, you know, or you can't work with me. And I feel like, um, something, one of the benefits of having so many modalities to draw from is that I realized that there is no one way that it needs to be. And so I'm really providing that level of flexibility for patients because, you know, I have had people tell me, you know, that they worked with a practitioner and that practitioner said, unless they were vegetarian, for example, unless you eat meat, you're not going to be healthy. And 
I, I think I'm always experimenting to see like, is this really true? Do, or is there another way to be? Or can we, can we, can we combine everything? And so, and so providing that sort of flexibility and blended approach um, allows me to really um, work with what's going to work for the patient, but still guide them and know that there's, there's options. It doesn't have to be just the way that I studied it or I learned it because I, you know, having studied so much, you can be flexible. Essentially. There's always a way, like if, you know, if someone says, um, I want to eat queso, um, but you're, but you're on this cleanse and I have an idea for them. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't have to just be what is written on the form. You know, I love how you say that you like to be their guide, not their director. I, you know, because it empowers them as the patient, you know? Um, so I feel like there's a lot of stress people are going through these days where, you know, this is being recorded in the early days of 2021 and people are starting to get back out. There's some insecurities with the, with vaccines, not vaccines. Do we go out? Do we not go out? Do we travel? Do we not travel? So I feel like that adds a lot of stress, no matter the stress of people that their businesses were shut down during all of this. And, you know, the unknowns, can you give our audience some tips for stress? Sure. Um, I think we talked about a little bit of it already with um, describing Ayurveda. So I'm going to build on that. Um, But before I go there, I'd like to just say that I think it's important to distinguish stress from um, as something that you actually have control over because, um, because I think sometimes we just get so caught up with life that we feel stressed that we don't actually even think that we have a choice in how we're going to respond to the stressor because there's stressors, you know, that are going to be, even if you have the most, you know, controlled life, there will be stressors that come in. They'll just be a different type. And so, um, so along the lines of empowering the patient, the individual is to, first of all, just have them remember that they have a choice in how they respond to the stressor. And I think then from there, you can actually give them tools that will help them realize that there can be a gap between their reaction and the event. And so um, so there's some great herbs that um, you may have talked about and heard of um, called adaptogens, which give you that buffer. So they help to support and heal your adrenal gland, which is sort of a correlate for your stress gland. And, um, and so anytime you're working to heal that gland and rejuvenate it, you're giving yourself more of a buffer between what's happening and how you react. And so when someone feels irritable and easily frustrated, it's oftentimes a weakness in the gland and all you do is support it. And then they're able to at least have um, a larger uh, gap and time to respond and choose their response because otherwise, you know, if the gap is too short, you actually feel like you don't have a choice in how you're going to respond. So that's, um, I think, Sometimes I don't go directly to pills and supplements and herbs, but with stress, it's so helpful to have the physical feeling of the gap. Um, And then from there, you can, when you feel like you've got more control of yourself and your emotion, then you can really begin to implement the, the lifestyle factors that are going to mitigate stress and your response to stress even more. 
you kind of need that life preserver first, and then you can start swimming again a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Are there any other, do you have like one or two other topics you commonly, commonly see in patients? Yeah. So I think, um, digestion is, is one of the most central ones. Um, how would that show up? Yeah. Like, how would I know? I don't think I have a digestion problem, but I don't pay attention to it. So I probably do. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, sometimes it's really the downstream effects. So if you feel tired in the morning and you feel achy in your joints and you're getting skin issues and rashes, those are sort of the downstream effects of weak digestion. Um, but I would say a more classic presentation would be something like IBS or just dyspepsia or indigestion, um, uh, any kind of bowel issues, whether that's gas or bloating or um, loose stools or constipation, those are kind of like more central that you're able to, okay, maybe there's a problem here. Um, So optimizing digestion, um, optimizing sleep, optimizing mood, optimizing skin, um, uh, and and then hormonal health are sort of my kind of pillar areas. I had a feeling when you said a lot of your clients were women in our age group, that's, yes. that's a topic among all of my friends right now. Do you have any one or two little tips to give to women, maybe starting perimenopause or going into those times? Well, we mentioned the adrenals and I think right. that's a connection that is often overlooked, but, um, healthy adrenals mean healthy perimenopause menopause, because when the um, sex hormone glands stop um, secreting hormone, the adrenals actually take over. And so um, women who have had healthy adrenal function most of their life, um, usually don't have the menopausal symptoms that most women have. Wow. 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 So what could you do to help keep your adrenals healthy? Well, there's, there's so much. So it's, um, we talked about a little bit about the adaptogens and there's, you know, some, some, some favorites that I have within that category. Um, I would say ashwagandha is one of my favorites and I, I like it in a tincture form, um, that, um, that it's a, a supplement line available through practitioners, um, because it is that potent and subtle and able to, um, almost give you instant, um, instant relief essentially and rejuvenation. So I love it for that reason. There's, there's many formulas though, but I like the, um, alcohol extract the best for kind of initial therapy. And then, um, and then the idea is that all stress, positive and negative, is affecting the adrenals. And so, um, so extreme excitement and anticipation is, is equally taxing as anxiety and worry. And so um, anything that you can do to get more centered into the present moment is going to help your adrenals in the long term. And uh, one of the practices I love to share is alternate nostril breathing because it does have that profound rejuvenation um, ability for the adrenals. and. And so, um, you know, really, it kind of sounds trite because we hear it so much, but like living in the moment, you know, because the adrenals are about the future or the past, but, uh, but, you know, that's what stress is. And so when you can get more present through embodiment practices, through, um, 
through through being in the moment. And I think that's really all of our journey. We, all of us have this kind of shared journey to, to get to be more present. And so, um, so that, and then um, there are some key food stressors for the adrenals. So um, sugar, alcohol, and caffeine. Um, and I think caffeine is the one that is probably the most um, co- uh, sort of overused. And I personally love the taste of black tea and green tea and coffee and all of those things. So I think I am able to empathize with people who, um, who are, you know, taking in these, um, into taking in quite a bit of caffeine each day. Um, but the idea that I like to share with patients is that, that, um, caffeine is sort of borrowed energy. It's borrowed energy from your future. Um, and it will, con- and it will slowly continue to tax and weaken your adrenals. So you feel this initial boost and you feel like you're larger than life for a few hours, um, or maybe just keeping up, but, but it is borrowing. And so, um, you know, I think there's ways to balance it again with adaptogens, but, um, but then also you, in order to really heal the adrenals, you need to minimize your, um, stressors and your, your response to stress needs to kind of be more centered uh, or get back to center sooner. And through those practices, so breath work, meditation, um, making certain food modifications and herbal supplements, someone can really begin to, to start healing their, their adrenal glands. Wow, this is great information. I know some of it I don't <laughs> want to hear. I think. <laughs> which part? Which part? The caffeine? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I like alcohol and sugar too. Me well, too. wine and sugar, but caffeine would be the uh-huh. hardest for me. I think sugar would be my. Mm-hmm. Like I, I personally um, kind of use, and I often recommend it to patients too, to kind of use caffeine as a. Um, as a reward, you know, so once you begin to start healing your glands, you actually don't feel as dependent on caffeine, you don't need it to wake up and feel like you can get things done. And um, so as we begin to start healing the adrenals, through some of the things I've shared, you're able to wean from caffeine and not miss it. And then you can use it if you like the taste as like a treat to for Sunday brunch or a weekend reward, that kind of thing. Um, I think it's the daily things that we do that are the ones that are cumulative and add up. But if we're able to sort of still keep things in our life where we don't feel like we're missing out, but sort of change the, um, the setting or the circumstance around it at, so that it has a different kind of meaning. So it becomes more of a, a leisure versus a dependence. That's really helpful. So many, so many words of wisdom. I know. <laughs> well, there has been so much in this podcast and I love that, you know, we talk about living in vibe, which is sort of that living in the moment and in oh. state of wellness. Mm-hmm. And so, we love that that's where you're directing everyone to, but, you know, we do want to ask you personally with all of these different um, tools in your toolbox, as I said, or pieces of information you have and wellness practices you have, what do you do to live and vibe, to bring joy or balance or wellness, maybe in small moments each day? Well, I do it all. <laughs> I, I've sort of created a lifestyle for myself that allows me to do all the things. Um, but I would say if I had to choose the one thing, it would be um, movement, dance, music. That's sort of where I really light up. And I, 
I just never feel as good as I do after I've had a very um, ecstatic dance session. Oh, that's awesome. But you know what? I think you can even back up. And what you started with was you created a lifestyle to allow wellness. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I have a, you know, a morning routine, which lasts about an hour and a half, including meditation and breath work and um, self oil massage and lymphatic oil massage and dry brushing and um, all the things. And then, um, and then I have a night routine where I (laughs) do an Epsom salt bath and I, um, you know, do some meditation again. And I take my dog for long walks, like each day and um, listen to educational material, you know, in functional medicine or something leisurely. And, um, and I cook all my own food for the most part. I mean, I, there, I do go out to eat, but I allow myself time and, and space to, to make food. And I think I really just rebelled against my, my Western medicine lifestyle where, you know, I remember residency where you just had no option to, to do anything for yourself, whether that was like sleep, even go to the bathroom, you know, like we had to go to the bathroom when we were allowed to. And so it was just, it was so much negation of like following your own intuition um, that I sort of just went the complete other end of it. And I know um, a lot of doctors, you know, my, my colleagues at the, at the time who still live in, um, in the life of like, okay, this is the way it is. This is the system. Um, I need to do this. I need to do that. And I was just like, no, I am not going to do that anymore. I personally tested my adrenals after um, medical school and residency, and they were a flat line, but I've been able to rejuvenate them. And now they're a curve the way they need to be a circadian curve. And so it is possible. Um, You don't have to be as radical in your shift, but um, but I just think that there's a lot more to life than working. And, um, you know, we have to find our passion and purpose and be able to, to give, um, but give from that place of fullness. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I really want to encourage everybody to, to pause and to figure out what it is that they need to do to fill up so that they can um, truly give and, and give from a place of, of wholeness rather than, um, obligation and, and just doing what they've always done. And I think that place of wholeness is where you said just being present, mm-hmm. you know, that is wholeness is being really present and where you are. And this is just great. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I mean, we wanted to inspire our listeners with your practice, but I think they'll be inspired by you yourself as well. I know I am. Yes. <laughs> Thanks so much. It was so great to talk with you today. Yeah, it's been lovely to meet you. Thank you. Thank you okay. for coming on. And we're going to uh, put all your information in the show notes so yes. that people can find you. Okay, Thank sounds you. good. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Invibe Live Conversations. For more information and to join our community, be sure to check out our website at invibelive.com. We look forward to sharing with you.